This is the St. Louis Podcast Network. You're listening to the Last Man Up Podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer. In the hizzy this time. He's back. He's back. Handsome Andy Hanselman behind the dials. Oh, hello again, everybody. Hope wherever you are, however you are, I hope you're well. It is a beautiful day today. It was just a great weekend. Be- great for weekend, the most part, but for the today most part. was. If you've never been to San Diego and you wonder what the weather is like in San Diego, it's picture, like this. It's like this, where it was sunny, not a cloud in the sky, no humidity, nice breeze. It was. I mean, it was like that this morning. I'm like, okay, the hammer's gonna fall this afternoon. It's gonna be, you know, hot and shitty in '95. Yeah. Nope. No. Never did. We nope. Never got hot. Should we move it, the podcast to San Diego then? That, I think that's a sign. <laughs> yes. Good yeah, idea. We should move, move, move to San Diego. Move to San Diego. How can we arrange that? Who could, who could sponsor our move to San Diego? Hanselman's got the coin. Yeah, you got the coin. Come on now. You got a gardener in and in a maid. Yeah. We're, we're, we're podcasting on granite right now. <laughs> the granite countertop. No, you got money actually, somewhere. These, actually, these are quartz. 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 Even be, quartz. That even sounds fancier. Clay, it's good to have you back. I know the last time that you were not here, you were just uh, you were traveling back from the royal wedding and uh, were held up. And, big, and not able to make it in. Big fan of the royal family. Just big fan. I was captivated all weekend. I said I can't podcast with all this captivating going the on. The funny, the funniest thing about the royal wedding to me, and I didn't hear about this until like maybe about a week later, mm. that Serena Williams was there, and apparently she was dominating the beer pong table. Really? And I'm like, well, how unfair is that to play beer pong against Serena Williams? Yeah, her life is a ball. Her life is a ball. Absolutely. I mean, that's just well, but like, unfair. okay, like there's there's two kinds of beer pong. There's the kind of like where it's ping pong with the paddles, and there's the beer and there's the beer pong where you like you're throwing it in the cups. So, but if you're playing at the table tennis one, if you're yeah. playing against Serena Williams, it you're seems done. a little unfair. I would say that you're probably at a disadvantage. A big disadvantage. You get a forehand across the table, you're done for. Absolutely, you might leave bruised. A- Andy and Hanselman was uh was DJing our own royal wedding. I was. It, <laughs> Taryn Schaefer, friend of the podcast. She yep. got married. Good for she's her. Congratulations, Taryn. Taryn. Yeah, congratulations to Taryn. She's, she's a great couple. Married uh, a guy named Mitchell Gregson. And she's now Taryn Gregson. Taryn Gregson. She um uh Mitchell is a professional golfer, which I didn't know, and is actually quite the baller. Has won se- won several MAGA events, which is the Metropolitan Amateur Golf Association. I, I know the the uh, executive director of that, Kurt Rowey. Yep. And he uh and he won that a couple of years, or actually several years ago. But it turns out that they were childhood friends growing up in Waterloo. She moved down to Jacksonville to work for PGA Tour Productions. He's down there playing golf. They meet back up and realize that, oh, we love each other. Oh, well, isn't, isn't that something? That's, How about that? That's called a meet cute. <laughs> meet cute. Meet so, cute. No, great couple, great families. Uh, we had a great party. Uh, at the Hilton at the ballpark. Oh, I bet you it was great. It was absolutely wonderful. Class, class act. The entire thing. Yeah. Except for, except for me. <laughs> well, you, did, you get, did you get drunk and make an ass out of yourself? No, I'm, I'm just like the least classy DJ around. I got you. Or do you just get up there and just start swearing? Pretty much. Do well, you? Well, F you. Wow. No, I don't. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what kind of... What kind this of is t- Andy bleeping Hanselman. <laughs> what, so, kind of, what kind of tunes What kind of tunes were you working we, with? You're, you're run of the mill... Your typical wedding. So like top, top 40, top 80s. Okay. You know, so, okay, that kind so, of stuff. A little cha-cha so, slide. So you got to play cha-cha Absolutely. slide. Electric. Uh, yep. Okay, you got to play uh, Tonight's Gonna Be a Good Night by the Black Eyed Peas. You got to play that. I don't yeah. play that one too much oh, anymore. Really? Wow. That I gets, thought that was a uh, a wedding reception staple. I'm just because I, I try to avoid 
the cheesy cliche stuff as much as possible. Okay. You play, a, to you, be honest, I mean, most most of my clients actually pay a premium for my services. His clients don't to, play any of that to not be the cheesy you. DJ guy. So so no baby got back. No no, no old time rock and roll. No, we didn't do any of that stuff. Wow. We just had we had a, a good old we had a good time. Not the do you do that thing where okay all the married couples come out on the dance floor and dance and then like okay. Have you been married, you yes. know, 30 years? Do you do, you do that? I do. You do. I, call it, I call it the end of the well, There's a very good reason for it. Grandparents are funny. Oh, old people are hilarious. And so what happens is at the end, I go find out, you know, we find out who's been married the longest. I walk out to the middle of the dance floor with the microphone. I have the bride and groom standing right there next to me. Okay. And I have them offer some words of wisdom mm. for a long, successful marriage. I got you. To the bride and groom. Sometimes it's very heartfelt. Sometimes it's a blah moment. Most of the time, it's gut wrenching, hilarious. Yeah, because to hear to hear Grandpa say, "Well, you, know, you got to give it up a few times a week." <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so I went through. So in, at this point, it's all still daylight outside. Well, as soon as the sun goes down, the lights take effect. It's party on. Yeah, everything's good. So one thing I had never done before, and it's one of my favorite songs in the whole wide world. I actually played "Africa" by Toto. Okay. Oh. All time, all time favorites. Great, and I, I didn't. I guess, I guess I thought I was like in some small faction of society that loves that song, and I'm not. You don't love Toto? No, I love that song. Okay, I realize that I'm amongst the masses. All oh, the people who do not love the uh, do not. No, love no, Africa. no. I'm just saying. I thought I was in a small group. That oh, you like, didn't realize how much people loved Africa I didn't realize how, Yes, I didn't realize how loved that song was. For the first time ever, I played that at a wedding reception. People are out there doing the drums, singing, really? dancing. I mean, there were easily... At this point, there's probably 150 people left at the reception. They started with about 300. And there are um, probably 60 or 70 on the dance floor. Okay. And they're all into it. Absolutely, positively, 100% into it. And I couldn't believe it. How do you not believe it? It's one of the best songs. Ever. I know. Okay, I, that, because I've been doing this, to, I've to been me, doing this for 15 years. To me, here's and, what the funniest thing is, is that that's not even the best Toto song. Everybody knows that Rosanna is clearly oh, the superior Toto song. I don't know. I, oh, it's Rosanna. <laughs> Rosanna is a, is a very, very, very good song. Africa has a special place. I once got a lap dance to Africa by Toto. Really? At Larry Flint's Africa Hustler Club. <laughs> Africa is gentlemen's gentlemen's venue. Africa is one of my most favorite songs of all time. It's a great song. It's easily my top Look, five of all favorite songs. I, I love the song. Don't get me wrong, but yep. it's, it, it just to me is no Rosanna. So I went with this, and I'm like, I'm going to go with the sing along song because we're getting kind of close to the end of the night, and I drop Piano Man on him. Oh, and we end, and they end, they end up in a gigantic circle with the bride and groom in the I middle. I would stop payment on your on your check right then and there, sir. <laughs> no, they were thrilled. Oh yeah, she, that, that's like playing like "Don't Stop Believing." Like, yeah, it's just that end of the night kind of song. She, she's like, you absolutely, you know, killed this party. It was awesome. Taryn said that. Yeah, Taryn's a sweetheart. I've never met her in person. Uh, had her on my show several times when I was on 590 yep. and just could not be nicer. She you know, was, yo, just, hey, can, hey, can you do this? And she's like, yeah, sure. What time you want me to call in? Yep. And the funny thing is, is that I, I don't think, I don't remember anybody else ever having her on 
And then as soon as I have her on, next thing you know, I'm seeing the Midday Grinds having her on. Bernie Miklitz is having her on. I'm like, listen, you copycats. Right. No one had Taryn Schaefer on their show until I started having her on, damn it. She's very good. She's so you, great. And she comes, and you can tell that she comes from a very nice family because her parents were absolute gems, and his parents were too. Everybody was just so nice. Good to hear. Yep. Good to hear. Glad, glad to hear you had a good time. Um, and they had also, a good time, too. It's not we, about me having a good time. It's about them having a good I time. I will keep in mind that you're a DJ for my wedding. That will probably never happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Burger's already hired me, hired me for his. Oh, oh yeah. For my, for my wedding, that'll, that's never going right. to happen. So, I mean, yeah. Hold your breath. Well, someone who looks like he's ready for a beach vacation has got to be LeBron. Because if he would have strangled J.R. Smith hell a at, at half court at the end of regulation of game one, is there any jury that would have convicted him? No. No. Not one. No. And, and like people who are saying that, you know what, if George Hill makes that free throw and have to worry mm. about it, you're absolutely right. Yeah. George Hill, who's actually a good free throw shooter, if he makes that free throw, none of this is an issue. But J.R. Smith, when J.R. Smith, I mean, he is. Unintentionally, the funniest, most frustrating player in the NBA. For those of our listeners who didn't watch Game One, of oh, okay, the game, but be, yeah. re, recap it quickly. If you didn't watch Game One, I'm sure you heard about it the next. I day. I heard about it. That's what everybody was talking about. There was a meme, even, even locally, people like. And now LeBron's a meme. Yeah. Okay. So, <laughs> oh, is it gonna re, is it gonna replace crying Jordan? Yes, it is. Probably. Well, no, <laughs> nothing's gonna replace crying Jordan. That's always gonna be a staple. But this one's pretty good. But this one's pretty good. I thought so too. Yeah. This one's really good. And I've already seen it. I've already seen like, like you know two dozen times on with different situations. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't know what happened, if you were living in a cave and have no idea what happened in Game One of the NBA Finals, if you're like Andy Hanselman and you were living in a cave, and you know what happened Game One of I the know, NBA Finals. I, I know there was. You know, I know the guy thought that the, that that they had the lead. He did. That's all I know. And it, it was it was kind of a snafu, like Leon Lett. Like big time snafu because J.R. Smith chucks the ball. That's one thing you have to know about J.R. Smith. J.R. Smith is a shooter shooter. There's not a shot on earth that J.R. Smith does not like and has not taken. So did, did he play from a zoo? He might as well have. <laughs> so J.R. Smith, who you can even read him, you can even read his lips when he like LeBron's frustrated and walking away because LeBron would have murdered him. And J.R. Smith goes, I thought we were ahead. And then he tried to pull a Donald Trump at the press conference saying, no, I thought the game, I knew the game was tied. Like, we all read your lips. It's on camera. You said, I thought we were ahead. Because if you thought the game was tied, you would have just stood there. Or if the game was tied, you would have shot. Yeah. Maybe he was just lying to LeBron so he of wouldn't course. kill him. <laughs> no. I, I, I think know he thought, about lies, so <laughs> And it's great. I had the lead one day, and I am now the president. It's huge. But I will tell you this. <laughs> They were more game and they were uh, more game in game one than I thought they were ever going to be. I'm like, this is going to be an ugly finals. Oh yeah, this Cavaliers team is LeBron and a bunch of sorry suckers. That it's amazing LeBron has carried them this far in a Celtics team with a stud rookie and, and Jason Tatum. Yes, and a bunch of scraps took this Cavaliers team to seven games. Mm-hmm. What is a team with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry and Clay Thompson and Draymond Green going to do? Obliterate them. Obliterate them. That was my natural yeah. thought. And yeah. it, the game one went into overtime. LeBron had to score fifty-one points right in order for this to happen. Mm-hmm. And he's going to have to do. He's going to drop a fifty burger in every single one of these games for the Cavs to be in it. Game two is going to be tonight. It's actually going to be going on here in about half an hour. Yeah. It's going to be going on while we're recording. But I mean, like, I can't. I could not feel worse for LeBron. But it made me think of this: Is there a more entertaining professional athlete across all sports right now than LeBron? I don't think one. Like, <clears throat> there's not an athlete in the game that captivates more than 
in, in any other sport. Steve, only, uh, Steve Kerr had the great quote that said, it was something more along the lines of, you're watching a guy do something that's literally never been done before, or something along the lines of that. But it, it's just remarkable how people are so tuned in who are not even sports fans to what LeBron does. I don't know. Did you see Bryson DeChambeau at the Memorial today or Marcelo Zuna's Grand Slam? I, I did. I saw both. They're not that captivating na- <laughs> not, nationally. Not that captivating. But no. To answer your question, no, there's not. The only other it's person, unbelievable. The only other person I could think of is Aaron Rodgers, where you're like, you know, he's, he's appointment TV. Like if LeBron is playing in a big game like the NBA Finals oh, yeah. or the Eastern Conference Finals, you're going to watch LeBron play. Like even if they lose the game, mm-hmm. he is just, he's just been that entertaining to, to, to watch play. It's, is, it, is it Tiger-esque from, tw- from 2000? No doubt. It is, but the funny thing is, is like Tiger's doing all that, and Tiger won. Mm-hmm. LeBron's doing this, and he's winning, but he's not winning the whole thing. It'd be mm-hmm. like LeBron. It'd be like Tiger Woods dominating, but Tiger Woods always finishing second or third. Ricky Fowler syndrome. Ricky yeah. Fowler syndrome. <laughs> it, it, that's that's kind of what it's like. And I, I wish I could find it. I looked all over, and it was talking compare because I mean you got to compare Michael Jordan and LeBron because what everybody does now, mm-hmm. and it's the number of times that Michael Jordan's team was favored going into the finals. And the number of times LeBron's team was favored going into the finals. And I think LeBron's team was only favored going into the finals twice. He's been down. He's been down a lot. And every mean, single pretty, time every single time MJ's gone to the finals, his team has been favored. Pretty much every playoff series him, that he's in is how, you know, how we can beat him. I saw a meme today that actually had LeBron's some of LeBron's stats compared to Larry Bird's stats. And Larry Bird was significantly and I don't know what they were comparing if it was uh all these stats in finals or post or, you know, or postseason or playoffs or over like the course of their career to this point. No, I, I think what, no, I'm sorry. It was, I do remember what it was. It was a season average. It was Larry Bird, 86, 87, LeBron, 17, 18. Okay. And Bird was the significantly better player that season. Stat wise. Stat wise. And I guess it was com- at comparable points of, I guess their same year of their career. Okay. That's interesting. It was very interesting. If I can find it, I'll, I'll pull it up. Or if you can find it, I don't want my recording I mean, to crash. The thing that helps, <laughs> the thing that helps LeBron or helps Larry Bird is that I mean, Larry Bird had the better team. He had Kevin oh, McHale. Sure. He had he had oh, Robert yeah. Parrish. He had Danny Ainge. Right. He was on a much a much better team. Yeah. LeBron is not playing with. I mean, other than Kevin Love, maybe mm-hmm. there is. I mean, Game Seven in the Eastern Conference Finals when LeBron started going off, and I'm like. I don't know who else is going to help him though. That's right. the thing that I was that I was like I, I was worried about for LeBron. I'm like, who else on this Cavali- on this Cavaliers team is going to score? It's really funny to me that like when LeBron only score, scores like 30 or 40 points, like oh LeBron was off that night. Like Cle- <laughs> yeah. Cleveland didn't run their offense. Like he, he, had, he had 30 points. He what had 30 a bum! Point, like what a bum! But it's like these playoffs, especially, he drops 50 every night, and you're like, oh, what's he going to do next? And that's what makes it just so captivating. I, I cannot imagine how exhausted he He's has so to be. He's so tired. He's got to be exhausted. This is I, – I, I put this on my Facebook page. Mentally. M- mentally and, and physically. physically. Yeah. No, I would say but the, the mental toll this has got to be taking on him has got to be draining him physically. 2007 was the first time LeBron went to the NBA Finals with the mm-hmm. Cleveland Cavaliers, and they got completely stomped by San Antonio. So 2008 was Boston, and the, the East, representing the Eastern Conference. 2008 was Boston. 2009 was Orlando. 2010 was uh, Boston again. Mm-hmm. And then 2011, since 2011, it has always been LeBron James in the NBA Finals representing the Eastern Conference. That is a lot of basketball. 
That is a lot of basketball. That is that's got to be. I mean, I, I had to calculate how many like how many that that's like what another season maybe season and a half that is, that's on his more. body. I was gonna say more than that, but that yeah. is an awful lot. That is a lot. So I cannot imagine how exhausted he is. But I mean, I, I had someone text me today that they think that they think Golden State's in trouble. I'm like, you're out of your mind. I t- no way. The thing though, and, and to your point, what makes what LeBron's doing so special is, and one of the big differences between him and MJ is. MJ was a scorer. MJ did not have to go rebound. MJ did not have to pass the ball as much as LeBron. LeBron has to run that entire team yes. or they get blown out. I think the different the to me the biggest advantage Michael Jordan has over LeBron James is mental uh mental strength. Oh, for sure. I guess you could say like Michael Jordan, you were not going to sway him off his his ultimate goal. You were not going to outcompete Michael you, Jordan. Absolutely not. He is probably one of the, he's probably the most competitive professional athlete I could think of outside of maybe Tiger Woods. But Kobe Bryant could be in that conversation. Kobe Bryant's in the conversation too. But look, I mean, Michael Jordan's right. got to be the most competitive team athlete I can think of I off the top know. of my head. Tito Landrum was pretty competitive. Tito Landrum <laughs> uh, <laughs> could make a comment there, but I'm not going to about Tito Landrum and a, and a certain uh, other player's wife at the time. Mrs. Janie Shanahan? Allegedly. 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 Yeah. Thank you for saying allegedly. <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. I don't have insurance against lawsuits yet. But um, Michael Jordan has got to be like just one of the most mentally tough athletes I can think of. And I think that's just the biggest advantage he has over LeBron. Otherwise, all the physical advantages LeBron it has. It goes back no to Tiger, too. I mean, Earl Woods was just a dick to Tiger. And just, I mean, and it was totally mentally strong. Um, Jordan, yeah. Uh, who else is mentally strong? I'm trying to think. I of mean, they're baseball. all they're, they're, they're a lot no, of them there, mentally there's, strong. There's guys that are exceptional though. Um, Bob Gibson was probably a mentally strong oh, baseball yeah. player. He there's was, no, there's no question. He was very competitive. Do you guys know? So I, I've read a book called The Inner Game of Golf. I also know there's a thing called The Inner Game of Tennis. Has this guy written books about the inner game of basketball or the inner game of baseball along the same series? You guys ever heard of them? No, no. I haven't. It'd I have be not. interesting to know. Someone needs to send LeBron a copy of that. <laughs> well, it's, it was crazy because you'd watch MJ play, and you knew, I mean, just from the look of him, when he got a look in his eye, it's like no one else freaking mattered on that. Yeah. Like, he was going to win the game. And LeBron has all the, all the same talent that Michael does, but from a team standpoint, you're like, hey, if we can hold LeBron to 35 or 40, we're going to win the game. I've only seen LeBron with that look on his face one time when he was, you know what, we're winning this game. You're not going to deny me. We are going to win it. Like ever or in this ever. playoffs? I mean, that, that I can think of off the top of my oh. head, and that is game six or game five of the Eastern Conference Finals between um, the Heat and the Boston Celtics. I was going to say. And was- they were they were going up to Boston. They were facing elimination. Mm-hmm. And uh, Dan Levitar said it best. They were playing for the blueprint. Like, I don't know what was going to happen with that Heat team because they just came off losing to the season before, losing the finals to the Dallas Mavericks when yep. they got embarrassed. Right. And then here they are. They're, they may not even make it back and they're, they're going to get knocked out. I th- actually, I think that might have even been the second round, not even the Eastern Conference Finals. I think they played the Eastern Conference Finals and they played the Pacers. But mm-hmm. um, that, that game, LeBron went up to Boston and he took it over. <laughs> He's shipping up to Boston. Oh, I, I first thought that was like the Jaws theme for a second, didn't you? I was like, "What is he? Why is he playing the Jaws theme?" Um. So anyway, uh, game two of the, Sorry, of, of the game two of the uh, uh, NBA Finals tonight. We'll see if uh, if Cleveland can make a, a game of it, but uh, we'll see what's what's going to happen. Stanley Cup Final. I just realized it's not the Stanley Cup Finals. 
It is a Stanley Cup final. It's like, singular. It's like daylight savings time. Correct. Is that the only sport that calls it the final instead of finals? I, I guess. I don't know. because, And I didn't know that. I would that. think so because you have the World Series, Super Bowl, NBA Finals. Well, it the, is a, it, with an S because it's like on the yeah. big logo on the yeah, court. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, the NBA Finals just used to be called the Finals. Yeah. Right. And now it's like the NBA Finals presented by YouTube. Because the NBA is starting to... Well, yeah, is that the they, correct verbiage, though? Because final is like singular, like final, final. Finals is a series of finals. I just know Dave Rapp, he he, he called somebody out on uh, on Twitter because he said something like, if you were a real fan, you would know it's called the Stanley Cup final and not the Stanley Cup finals. And I'm like, well, I didn't know that. I, learned, I, I, learned I something guess I'm the, a fake fan. Should we apologize for I, trying to have <laughs> proper grammar? I learn something all the time about hockey when it comes to Dave Rapp. Goodness. Capitals two, up two one. Capitals up two to one, and uh, if the Capitals win. Blues fans are going to be extraordinarily happy because there's so many Blues fans who do not want the Vegas Golden Knights to win this thing. Well, they, plus I mean, and all the I'm, I think there's still a lot of TJ Oshie fans. There are a oh, lot yeah. of TJ Oshie fans. Yeah. I'd like to see TJ get one. I would like I'm, to see him I'm, get one. So I mean, pretty I'm much I was talking with a buddy the other night. He said, if you want to win a Stanley Cup, come to play in St. Louis. For three we're, or four we're years, a, we're, we're a good training ground, and right? then get traded yeah. or signed somewhere, and then go and then go win, and then you go win. David Backus is going to wonder where his is at. Then, yeah, yeah, I think David Backus is like, I hit what? Yeah, you know, I played for the Blues, and now I'm on Boston. So, well, yeah, where's my cup? Yo? Yeah, where's my cup? What was, what was that movie with uh, Dane Cook where he dated the girls? And good then luck, the, Chuck. Good luck. The St. Louis Blues are the good luck Chuck of the NHL. <laughs> Actually, you know, I, I was telling them too that the, this guy wasn't really a big hockey fan, but he was uh, just knew about the, the Blues players being on on each team. And I said that the Washington Capitals were the were the St. Louis Blues of the Eastern Conference for the no, longest oh, time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. they've been. See, we were trying to figure out what year did the Capitals join the NHL. I thought it was during the sixty seven sixty eight couldn't tell expansion. You. All I know about Washington sports teams is that they all have the worst nicknames ever. The Bullets. The Bullets actually are a really cool one. And they, I like them. They, I like the they Bullets. They decided they, to change it to the Wizards, yeah. which is the worst one ever. Oh, so, so they weren't in that original expansion. They, oh, were, no. they were in the second expansion. Okay. 1974. Okay. So, I mean, Alexander Ovechkin, one of the best players in the NHL. Well-deserved. There's, there's going to be a lot of people. If they, if they do win, there's going to be a lot of people in the NHL happy that he has finally won it. Oh, man. I mean, that guy has been talking about putting the team on his back. For and, and you want to talk all the and, but you want to talk about someone who was kind of like a little like Chris Paul and James Harden when it came to playoff performances. Oh yeah, great in the regular season and then get the and then gets into the playoffs and becomes an absolute ghost. Oh yeah, no doubt. So we will see what will happen when it comes to the NHL Stanley Cup Final. Back to you, Steve. <laughs> uh, joining us on the phone here a little bit will be the great Brian Stull. He's the host of the Brian Stull Show, Monday through Thursday, noon to 1 p.m. at STL Baseball Weekly, Friday, noon to 1 on 920 WGNU, and the publisher of STLBaseballWeekly.com. Uh, we're going to be talking to him next. Joining us on the phone right now is someone who's synonymous with St. Louis baseball. Uh, you can uh, hear him on the Brian Stull Show, which can be heard Monday through Thursday, noon to 1 p.m., and STL Baseball Weekly Friday on Fridays, noon to 1 p.m. on 920 WGNU. He's also the publisher of STLBaseballWeekly.com. You can follow him on Twitter, uh, at Stully, STL, the great Brian Stull. Stully, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, fellas. How are you guys today? Doing uh, doing wonderful. You know, the, the game on uh, the, the, we're recording on Sunday, and uh, Michael Waka 
you know, one inning away from getting the first Cardinal no-hitter since Bud Smith on September 3rd, 2001 uh, in San Diego. I remember watching that game because it was Labor Day weekend. It was a Sunday before uh, Labor Day when he when he notched that. It's hard to believe the Cardinals have not had a no-hitter since then. It was pre-9-11. Pre-9-11, yeah. yeah. No, Think it, about it that. Is. Yeah, they, yeah, no, it, it's really crazy, and this game actually marked the third time. I didn't realize it until we started going back looking at it. This was the third time that Michael Walker took a no-hitter through seven or more innings. So he has come so close. And I think we all remember that that great playoff performance, right, yeah. which was very similar to what we saw today. But uh, he's been there, again, just knocking on the door, waiting for it to happen. So. Wasn't his, it wasn't his, his last regular season start in 2013 or 2012 that he also did it? He took that no-hitter into the seventh or eighth? It was they were like back to back, weren't they? They were real close because one was against Washington, and he's done it against the Pirates twice now. So, well, it's uh, he he's been there, and, and you know what? I mean, just to kind of jump into what he was doing today, uh, Michael Walker was just man dominating. Doesn't even quite do it justice. It was just he was just in sync. That changeup was dancing, and that's you can always tell when he's feeling that changeup. It's not just a matter of changing the speeds. It's actually got that movement as well. And now that he's able to mix in a cutter, which he did not have on those other no-hit attempts, you know, as he was talking about, the fastball goes one way, the changeup goes the other way, and the cutter goes the other way, and he's throwing all three out of the same arm slot with the same sort of movement. And, man, that's just that's just rough for a hitter. And easily the best, uh, that best, the best outing that I've seen Michael Waka have in a long time. And the thing that Matheny did that I loved, and I can't believe I'm saying that Mike Matheny's doing something that I actually loved, yeah. thought it would never happen, <laughs> that as soon as he gave up that no-no in the ninth inning, Matheny was right out there to get him out of that game. I was so happy to see that because someone with his, uh, his shoulder issues, you don't want him pitching any longer than he has to. The no-hitter's gone. You look, there's no reason to try to get the complete game or the shutout. The, no, the no-hitter's gone. Let's get him out of there. Yeah, and one of the other – actually, I thought what you were going to point out about Mike Matheny, it was something that Michael Waka appreciated and, and the other players on the field was, you know, Waka got ready to, to walk off the mound right away when Matheny got out there, and Mike actually stopped him and, and had him stay out there a good extra 30 seconds. And what he told him was, hey, you just did something really special. Take a moment and enjoy this. Let it sink in. And Waka used that opportunity to kind of let it hit him a little bit and thank – all of the infielders there, as well as Francisco Pena, who did a tremendous job behind the plate. And then, of course, Waka walks off to the standing ovation. So Pretty cool. That was, that was a cool Pretty little thing, too, thing, as well. Brian, uh, following you know, Waka's excellent performance today, he's had actually a really, really good year. I think now 7-1 and one on the year. You have him. you got to have guys like Miles Michaelis uh, who are performing really, really well. If you're John Mazalek, how are you feeling right now? You know what, I think you have to be feeling pretty good because, you know, obviously there was the disappointment just a day or so ago about the news with Alex Reyes, who's going to be out for an extended period of time, and that's a disappointment. But the good news is Carlos Martinez is going to be back on the mound Tuesday, and while Carlos has been down, as you mentioned, you know, Michael Walker has put up tremendous numbers this year. Miles Michaelis is arguably, if not the, he's one of the best free agent signings of the offseason. And you've seen Luke Weaver pitching well. I mean, Francisco Payne even mentioned John Gant today and some of the beginnings that he put in there for that rotation. So uh, the depth that this organization continues to have, and I know the draft is on Monday, and the scouting staff really deserves a lot of credit because 
when you're not in one of those top five picks, I mean, consistently the Cardinals are there at 19 or 21 or whatever the case may be, you know, it's, it's harder, it's more difficult, but yet they continually have found those arms, whether it's Michael Waka or Luke Weaver or Dakota Hudson, who's pitching well, or Austin Gomber. I mean, they just keep having these arms and you've got other teams that are shaking their heads saying, how did the Cardinals do it? And well, you got to give some credit to that, that front office for finding a way. Stully, Francisco Pena made a, a valid uh, campaign to be the new backup catcher to Yadier Molina. Well, he will be effective Tuesday. I mean, provided Yadier doesn't have a setback from the second rehab outing with Springfield, uh, Matheny shares that it'll be Carson Kelly who goes back down to Memphis, not because Kelly hasn't performed well. In fact, the last couple days, Kelly's received very high marks from Matheny on his overall game, but the Cardinals want Kelly to play every day, and you couple that with the fact that, yes, Francisco Pena has been outstanding. I, I think that has been one of the best uh, – surprise is probably the wrong word, but it's been one of the best storylines here of the last month or so with Yachty going down. I mean, first it was the bat. Pena came in red hot with the big hits. But now we've been able to see him play on basically a daily basis, and the way he's handled the staff and called the games, uh, and, you know, he's – He's very well liked in the clubhouse as well. He's been a great fit ever since spring training. He just assimilated perfectly with his team. Uh, has really earned high marks, and absolutely, he has shown that he is every bit of deserving of being a, a backup behind Yadier Molina, and maybe even more with some other teams. Brian, you mentioned uh, Yadier Molina and him, you know, coming back from injury. Uh, he's expected to come back Tuesday to catch that uh, Carlos Martinez start. The last time that I saw. Um, do yep. you see that his playing time, you know, is going to change any, you know, Yachty's a real hard charger, likes to be out there every day. Um, but if you're Mike Matheny, you know, coming back from a horrible, horrible injury, Ugh. uh, I mean, just, Oh, how many, how many times <laughs> you try Yachty out there during the week? I think Yachty or Molina will continue to play as much as Yachty or Molina can. <laughs> um, I mean, I, and, and I'm not even saying that to be, be smug or snarky or funny or anything. That's just, that's just factual at this yeah. point. I mean, and, and the production warrants that. That's the whole thing. I mean, we all know Yachty gets a year older every year, just like the rest of us. But his production has continued to be such that you want Yachty or Molina out there on the field. You want him catching those innings because of what he does do behind the plate. And the offensive numbers the last couple of seasons have been big, where I know there's always the debate about the lineup. And, you know, some people, when they see Yachty hitting fifth or wherever the case may be, you know, there's arguments that can be made. But you look at Yachty's numbers, I mean, he's a good hitter, and he's continued to produce. He may not hit 30 bombs or something like that, but in terms of a good at-bat, he's hard to strike out. He moves runners around. It's just you want Yachty out there every day. He does it all still. That has quite the impact on the game. You, so you brought yeah. it up about Carlos Martinez. Him, uh, His return will be on Tuesday. So you have Carlos Martinez coming back. Eventually, Alex Reyes is going to be coming back. Eventually, Adam Wainwright is going to be coming back. So the Cardinals rotation is going to be really crowded, you know, within the next you know month or so. Who stays? Who goes back down to Memphis? Who goes to the bullpen? Who do you think is possibly trade bait? You know, for the trade deadline at the end of July, what do you think is going to happen with all this this uh, this plethora of pitching the Cardinals will suddenly have? Well, I think we've got a little bit more time before you have to worry about Alex Reyes. Unfortunately, I, I just. You know, Carlos Martinez has been out a month with a mild lat strain. And Michael Gersh, not once but numerous times, used the word significant when he was talking about Alex Reyes. And Reyes is 
still yet to get that second opinion. He's going to see a specialist here at some point in the next day or so. He's not going to a specialist so that the specialist could be like, oh, yeah, it is a lab strain. He's going to the specialist so they can find out just how significant that lab strain is. And if Carlos was one month, you know, you got to figure at least two months for Alex Reyes. And that's probably being like best case scenario. And I realize it's pure speculation at this point, but I just think we're probably looking at longer for Reyes. And I think people need to prepare themselves that this could actually be the rest of the season loss for Reyes. I mean, I, I hope that's not the case for his sake, for the Cardinals' sake, for everybody involved. But however much downtime he's going to have, think about the process that he's going to have to go through to build back up the arm strength again. Yeah, if you're the Cardinals. And so, I mean, that, that's just a long time. So Reyes, I, I don't I, I don't think he's going to be clogging things up here in the near future. Wainwright's out until at least July 12th. And uh, the last I, I saw Adam the other day, and, and he said he, they still didn't know what was causing the issues in the elbow. So what that means in terms of a return, I can't tell you. Is, is Wainwright just going to come back and say, you know what, this is this is the end of my contract, and whether they can figure out what's going on with my elbow or not, I'm just going to fight through this because I want to go out in a blaze of glory? Maybe so, but can he do that in the middle of July and make it the rest of the season? Can he do it as a starter? Does he have to be out of the bullpen? That's just still a huge question mark that nobody can answer. So I, I think, uh, I guess, a long way to make it longer to answer your question It'll just kind of work itself out a little bit. Brian, do you think the front office, I mean, you mentioned it a little bit, but is there really any initiative or really pro to rushing Alex Reyes back or even coming back this year? I mean, with the amount of depth in the organization from a pitching standpoint, is it more or less just like just take the rest of the year off and then come back strong in 2019? I don't think you automatically write off the year. I think but what we've seen with the way they've handled the Tommy John recovery is they are not going to push anything. They're, they're not going to try and rush anything. They're going to absolutely follow to a T what the medical team uh, suggests and puts forth. So, you know, if if the medical team says it's going to be eight weeks for Alex Reyes, then it might be nine weeks, uh, but it's not going to be seven. Mm-hmm. So I see it going in that direction. And, you know, again, it, I think there's some value. Hey, if Alex Reyes can come back and pitch, even if it's, you know, two or three games at the end of the year, there's some value in that because, again, you're, you're looking to try and build for next year. And I think for his own sanity, I mean, this, this guy, I mean, I, I saw Alex Ray. I mean, we, we didn't see all the workouts that he did because most of that was behind closed doors at Bush Stadium and stuff. But just look at him physically, the way he transformed his body. And I know Tommy John surgery is something we kind of take for granted now just because it's so common. But it's not a guarantee that you come back from. It's not 100%. It may be 98%. But there's still that 2%, and not everybody gets their velocity all the way back. Ask Jason Mott about that. Yeah. So Reyes came, and, and he put everything that he had into it. He worked alongside Zach Duke for a while. He was out at the ballpark. He was a sponge the last year or so. But he put he invested 100%. He went all in. And then to have the rug pulled out from underneath him again, I can only imagine the devastation. So if you get that little taste of the carrot at the end of the year, even if it's only that one outing, but just you've got that positive going into the offseason of, you know what, I made it back from that lad, and, yeah, 2019 is mine. I'm taking no prisoners versus, man, my 2018 ended after I busted my hump. All I had to show for it was a strained lad that knocked me out for another year. I'd let him get back out there, provided he's got the medical clearance and is good to go. It's got to be frustrating to be a professional athlete. To Like you said, go through 
all of the uh, the rehab after Tommy John and your ter- I mean, granted it's minor league baseball, but you're mowing through everybody, and uh, you know, and and all those minor league uh, rehab games. You get to a game in Milwaukee, you last four innings, and you were good. I mean, you were okay. You weren't great. And then you leave with a last train, and you <laughs> good possibility you might be shut down for the rest of the year. Yeah. He's got to be one frustrated individual. Uh, Brian, yeah. Brian Stell joining us on, on the phone right now. You can follow him on Twitter at Stelly STL. With the emergence of Tyler O'Neill and Harrison Bader, and up until recently, Marcelo Zuna was not necessarily playing up to expectations. Do you think that Marcelo Zuna could possibly become maybe a trade piece? Further down the line, or do you think that they're just going to hold on to him and, and, and try to that the C factor into the long-term plans for the Cardinals? I would be shocked if Marcelo Zuna is traded this year. And, you know, next year will be its own animal, and, and certainly his contract's going to be coming up. So whether extension talks begin with him and the Cardinals or it does reach a point where you're looking at moving him for something in return, we'll find out. But this year, no, I mean – Marcelo Zuna is somebody that I know the Cardinals would like to keep in a Cardinal uniform for a long time. No this doubt. wasn't just a trade for the short term. I mean, he's he's definitely somebody they're hoping can can anchor the middle of the Cardinals lineup for, for years and years to come. And, you know, not to put a label on anybody, but I will tell you this. The, the first time that Marcelo Zuna went out to take batting practice down in spring training, I happened to be, be there. And there was a, a Hall of Famer by the name of Ozzie Smith who was watching. And Ozuna now, took who's, who's that? Two, I don't know who that is. <laughs> <laughs> Ozuna took two or three swings, launched a couple of line drives. Ozzie turned and looked at a couple of us there, and he said, best swing since Albert. Oh, wow. wow. That's, high, that's high praise. Yeah. That's a take. Yeah. That is so, big-time high praise. That's a take. Yeah. Um, so I don't think the Cardinals are going to be in a rush to move him. Can you pinpoint exactly for me when Dexter Fowler has stopped caring about playing baseball and he's just there to get paid? Because, I mean, according to Cardinals Twitter, he's the, the laziest person on the face of the earth and he doesn't care about being a professional and he's just showing up because he's got nothing better to do. Can you pinpoint exactly when that happened? Caveat Aaliyah Fowler on this. Because <laughs> you know if what? she's listening, I, 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 she will yeah. kill us. No, no, I, you know me. I'm totally on deck. I'm totally team Dexter on this one. I, I finally had to take Tara's advice yeah. and I had to mute the words Dexter Fowler, lazy and hustle. <laughs> on Twitter because I got so sick of seeing it. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I know he, uh, you know what, social media is its own animal. And I, I think, you know, let's go back to Marcelo Zuna for a second because I know he's had a lot of criticism here over the last little bit because there's been no power. I mean, the guys hit 400 over the last week and a half, two weeks, his last 11, 12 games, but they've all been singles. Um, or even before he started getting a couple of those hits together, you know, you make a comment about the fact, man, you see that guy leg out an infield hit or go from first to third or something where, to me, it's impressive that a guy with his kind of power, who you wouldn't normally think of as someone who has that kind of speed, when you see him putting in that kind of hustle when he's in the midst for an 0 for 20, I think that's significant. I think it's impressive. I think it tells you a lot about that kind of guy and how he plays baseball. But social media... Uh, right away is quick to talk about there's no home runs. What's going on? Why do the Cardinals give up anybody for this guy? He's horrible. All, all the stuff that's there. And you know what? People can put whatever they want out there. They can have their own opinion. That's great. But then we also saw yesterday he hits the home run and people are on their feet. Today he hits the grand slam. Again, it's a standing ovation. It's the curtain call. And now everybody's excited about Marcelo Zuna. And I love that expectations are high in St. Louis. They should be. 
uh, internally and externally. I, I think that's absolutely fair and should be expected. But you know what? If we're going to get caught up in strictly a social media reaction, uh, most guys aren't going to have much of a chance. Yeah. So, so, but what do you think is going on with Dexter Fowler, though? Do you think he's do you think he's injured? Is it is it age? Or, or what is going on with him? Because normally he started out a little slow last year, but he eventually kind of snapped out of it. The, I mean, we're, we're rounding into June here, and he's still batting below the Mendoza line, mm-hmm. and he, he's not seeing the field as often, and he looks frustrated out there and, and reading some of his wife's uh, tweets. She even says, if I have to hear about his swing one more time. So he's bringing work home right. with him. He's bringing the work home with him. What do you think is going on with Dexter? I, I think that just compounds. I mean, I – I don't know mechanically what's wrong with this swing. Uh, I'm not one of the guys giving him a suggestion of, hey, you know, drop your elbow a quarter of an inch or anything like that. Um, but, you know, he, he is fighting something. And, you know, Dexter's got his own people that he works with in terms of training and preparing his body and things like that. And Barry Bonds is a mentor of his who, who's worked with his swing quite a bit. So I'm sure he's using all of those resources. But when you're not getting the results that you want, um, you know, I think it's hard to hide that frustration. You're going to see that. And when you have other guys, you know, like Harrison Bader stands out the way that he's been playing all around his game of late. And I get why people are saying you got to play Bader in there. You got to play Bader every day. But Dexter Fowler is not going to get out of it if he doesn't play it all either. So there is that fine line to walk. Um, I I don't know, and especially you know what we don't know Dexter Fowler long enough. I mean to know. Like, okay, back, you know, three years ago, remember when he did this, he did that. Um, you know, I mean, like we were talking about Michael Walker earlier. We're able to reference five years ago with Michael Walker. We can't do the same thing with Dexter Fowler. We have last year when he was hurt, and we have this year. And neither one have been able to provide the results that he wants. Uh, and I, I wish I had a better answer for you, but, you know, everybody's searching for that right now. Brian, uh we have the Major League Baseball trade deadline coming out. There's always, you know, rumors swirling. I saw a lot of stuff about Josh Donaldson this week. I saw stuff about Manny Mikado. Yeah. Uh, a yeah. number of different packages being thrown around. Pure speculation, nothing concrete, obviously. Um, what's your take on what you're hearing these days and uh, what the Cardinals are looking to do towards what, the deadline? And what move do you think they should make? Well, I think they could use another left-handed bat whether that's in the outfield or, or a piece in the infield. Um, and, and when I say another left-handed bat, um, somebody that's got a little bit more pop. Um, no offense to Greg Garcia, but that's really the only left-handed bat that they have on the bench. He's a power hitter, so, Brian. Come on now. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? I, I love Greg Garcia, what he brings. He's always prepared. He always gives you a, you know, a hard effort. He's not an easy out at the plate. Um, I mean, he makes pitchers work, and he's capable of doing a lot of different things. And we've seen – you know, those late situations, he, he has a little bit of a knack for making things happen, whether it's a hit by a pitch or a base hit or what. I, I think Greg Garcia brings a lot of value to this Cardinal team. But when you have a Luke Voigt who can come off the bench late and offers that threat of some pop, you know, if Jerko's on the bench, he can come off and has that, that threat of being able to go deep or Martinez or whatever. But to me, a left-handed bat, and boy, if you could have an outfielder that has that left-handed bat as well, I think that would be a nice play. That's not a major move that you make. Um, Donaldson, I was a big fan of making a move for during the off season, and I still think he's got a lot of upside, but I'd like to know a little bit more about that calf injury that he's yeah. dealing with. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so that, that would be my hesitation there, but he's going to come a lot cheaper than Manny Machado. I just... 
Manny Machado as a player would love to have him on a team. He'd be crazy not to. But for the price that you would have to give up, and Baltimore would be crazy not to command the King's ransom, but for the price you would have to get up, and here's the Manny Machado is going to be a free agent this year. It doesn't matter who he signs with or gets traded to. Because of the nature of his status, Manny Machado, not just his own personal representation, but like the Players Association, Manny Machado has to be a free agent for all of the other players. Oh, no doubt. So that he can raise the market value and it can trickle down to everybody else. So if, if I'm the Cardinals, I'm not giving up an arm and a leg to get Manny Machado because he is going to be a free agent. Even if you think you can re-sign him, then you know what? Just wait till the offseason and throw that crazy offer on the free agent market and keep your own resources in the house. Is it, isn't Bryce Harper going to be a free agent this offseason? Can he set the market, or or do I have that wrong? Well, it's going to be both. It's going to be both those guys. Okay. So you mean, yeah, I mean, both of them, it's, it's the same argument. And you know what? I would argue this, too, and I, I do think Bryce Harper is, is a tremendous player, but you look at his numbers, I, I honestly think he has the most value in Washington. I think those two sides complement each other the best. Um, how many 100 RBI seasons does Bryce Harper have? I couldn't tell you. Off the top I, could, of my head. I couldn't either. Zero. I think the answer is zero. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you're going to pay the guy $40 million. I mean, yeah. And you know what? Kudos to Scott Boris because we throw $40 million out there now like it's no big deal because he's been conditioning us the last like two, three years of floating $40 million, $40 million, $40 million out there to where now it's like, oh, yeah, Bryce and Manny, they need $40 million when that that's crazy. I mean, it, players should get as much as they can, and if a team wants to pay them $50 million, good for them. Take it. But as a, as a team, I think that's very irresponsible and short-sighted, and it's going to be some, some issues down the line for that team. I don't think they're going to be able to win if a quarter of your budget is going to one player. It, it, it's tough to win that way. You're right. But the one thing that the Cardinals do have is cash. That they do. They do. They do, but – you know, again, forty million dollars a year for one player, and again, I, I, I'm not trying to knock Bryce Harper because I do think he's a really good player, and and he brings some intangibles as well. But just blindly take Bryce Harper's numbers, take Machado's numbers, take a couple other guys and put them up there, and just look and see, and then be like, well, wait a second, yeah, okay, forty million dollars, huh? Just All a right, quick, interesting. A quick follow up and or carry along the that conversation, Stully, is that. It, the, it, can you use history as a predictor for these stupid contracts? You should. I think you, you should, should too. I think you should. You absolutely should. They hardly ever work out. You're you're right. They they rarely do. But I mean, when's the last time you've seen players as young as Manny Machado and Bryce Harper on the free agent market? Though? You don't. You, you just haven't. don't see that happen. You haven't. So that's another reason why too is because you can lock them up long term. Yeah. You can sign. Bryce Harper to an eight-year contract, and you'll have him like throughout, you know, most of his prime. Yeah, and you know, it's the same thing with Machado too. And that's yeah. what's scary. Both of those guys are entering yeah. their their prime and, playing right. part of their careers. And, and, and Stully, I have made it no, yeah. I have made it no secret. I have a huge crush on Manny Machado. Huge. I would, I would love nothing more than to see him wearing a Cardinal uniform. But I think the only way that happens is if they make a trade for him and they somehow convince him to sign a contract while he's here. I think if they get into a bidding war against the Chicago Cubs or against the New York Yankees or the L.A. Dodgers, I think that's the, that's the a war the Cardinals are going to lose. I just don't think you, convinced, you can convince Machado because of the fact that, again, there's going to be all those external pressures. Sure. No, I, mean, I understand. Look, you have to do this for everybody else. And, 
You know, if, if that wasn't the case, then absolutely, because Manny Machado makes your team better as well. I mean, yeah. if Manny Machado's playing shortstop and you slide DeYoung over to third base, I mean, wow, and you've got a lineup that, I mean, With pop. okay. I mean, just, wow, yeah, Machado and Ozuna together and, and DeYoung mixed back in there and, I mean, wow, the potential of, of what that could be would be incredible. Um, would, would, would just be absolutely amazing. I mean, and what you do is I think you pretty much just explain to him that we are the best fans in baseball <laughs> well, okay. and that he needs to you play here I, in St. Louis. I, I'm glad you we're, we're all kind of chuckling. I'm glad you brought that up. Oh, really? Is, is it because, like, the, remember when, like, when St. Louis used to pick up all the free agents? But I think that's because the free agents, they were all kind of like older you know, they were like closer to 30 or on the other side of 30. And there are different part, points in their lives, too. They might have been married and had kids. You know, Bryce Harper, as far as I know, I think maybe he's married. I'm not sure. But I know, I'm pretty sure Manny Machado's not. I know Giancarlo Stanton, he isn't. Is that the reason the Cardinals aren't able to like attract some of these free agents? Because, look, these are young multimillionaires and they want to live in a bigger city than St. Louis? People want to come hang out at Wheelhouse. Uh, that's Matt. part of it. I, I mean, mean, it's, it's all no, no. And the, I mean that, that's definitely part of it. And the new I Rascal mean, Flats bar. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, yeah, I, I, mean I, I think individual, each individual is going to be a little bit different, but there's no question. I mean, you know, New York has a different scene than St. Louis. Chicago has a different scene. Miami has a different scene. Yeah. L.A. has a different scene. Socially, as well as with the endorsement opportunities yep. that come along with that. Right. I mean, that, that's something that's involved. And I think as much as anything, when you're talking about some of these high-powered athletes, they have high-powered agents. And a lot of those agents and agencies, I mean, where are they based? Yeah, they're in all New York, New York, New York, Los New York Chicago, and LA, right? and Chicago, Miami. I think a lot of it is too Absolutely. because, like, with with the importance and the, and the emphasis of, show, of social media, now, like all these players, baseball is an individual sport masquerading as a team sport, and now they're all now they're all brands. Now all these players are all sure. brands, so they want to be in a city where they can take an Instagram picture of them at you know the the big club in Miami, surrounded by all the baby dolls and and you know the drink in the hand and you know and the nice suit and all that. Yeah, doesn't exactly have the same kind of look like if they're on the the, the Southampton pub. We have a Shake Shack. <laughs> <laughs> it just doesn't. Exist. Do, but you know what the the argument that was used with Chicago going back a couple of years one the Cubs had it won, so I understand to be that first team to win there, yeah, yeah, that, that's going to have some appeal. And, Big and you time. couldn't compete against that. But that whole fallacy that Chicago created about how they were young and St. Louis was old, well, I didn't buy it then. And the numbers, you know, when you actually looked at it, it's not that way accurate. now. Yeah, it was a narrative that the national media embraced, even though it was wrong. But just look at the Cardinals now when you see a Jordan Hicks coming in throwing 105 miles per hour. Last time I checked, he was in his early twenties. Yeah, yeah. And look at look at know, Jack Flaherty and Jack Flaherty and Luke Weaver and Paul DeYoung, as we talked about, and Harrison Bader, wherever he fits. And Marcelo Zuna is not an old guy, and Carlos Martinez is not an old guy. So for for a player that wants to be around a core group that could have years together, as Jason Hayward had pointed out before. You know what? The Cardinals have that, so that's not a valid argument anymore. Yeah. I, I don't think it was that valid to begin with, but it's it's absolutely not valid right now. And if you're going to go to a city strictly because of their, their social life, you know what? Then, again, um, I don't know if I, as an organization I'd want to be throwing $40 million at a guy who's more worried sure. about his 
Twitter and, feed than what's going on in the industry. And I'm not saying that's the only reason. I'm just saying that's going to be part of it. Yeah. Especially if sure, you, especially yeah. if you got a guy that that you know that's in his mid twenties. I mean, I remember what it was like to be in my mid twenties. And if you told me I can either make millions of dollars in playing in St. Louis or make millions of dollars of playing for the Yankees, I was probably going. To, even though I'm from here, I probably was going to pick the Yankees. See, I'd take St. Louis no, because that's part of, of it, but property tax. Keep in mind too, if if you're <laughs> If I'm trying to persuade you, if I'm trying to rush and recruit you as a player, you know what? 81 games a year, you're not going to be in that town anyway. That's a good point. You're, you're going to be out on the road. You're going to be out and about. And you know what? The Cardinals, they play in New York. So if you want to get some of that metropolitan life, you'll be there. Go out and you play the Dodgers. You'll be there. Uh, go up to Chicago. How many times a year are we in Chicago? Boom, It's you're down in Miami. You'll get to go to all those places. And by the way, you know, you're going to be hard-pressed to find a more passionate fan base, as you guys brought up. If you have success in St. Louis, grandmas will knit you sweaters for life. <laughs> you're, you're good to go. I, I, well, I, and plus, I, you can I, always go to the spaghetti factory on the landing anytime you want yeah. to. And Stelly, I'm sure, Stelly, you were at the game, so you didn't hear this during the telecast. And Dan McLaughlin said this, and I tweeted it out. I said, this is absolute madness, but he probably has a point. He didn't say that David Freeze should be a Cardinal Hall of Famer. He's saying that David Freeze could be a Cardinal Hall of Famer. And I'm like, okay, this is madness. Yeah. Yeah, he had, a, he had the one of the greatest moments in Cardinal history. One of the greatest postseasons in Cardinal history. In Cardinal history in, in 2011. But he's not exactly like an all-time great Cardinal. But the fact that David Freeze could have like those that great 2011 postseason and could potentially be a Hall of Famer, like he says, Stelly, just tells you everything you know. You have a great year in St. Louis; they're going to love you forever. So many sweaters he already so has. So many sweaters and all the emos. See, you I, I was waiting for you to like actually correct Danny Mac and say that David Freeze will be a Cardinal Hall of Famer. <laughs> I thought, Stelly, I thought, I, I really thought, oh no, I really I, thought he was going that direction. No, I, I think the idea of him in the Cardinal Hall of Fame, no offense to David Freeze, I think is absolute madness. He's going to be loving oh this. Oh my goodness, are you for real? I'm for real. Da oh, I don't understand how you have a Cardinal Hall of Fame and David Freeze wouldn't be a part of it. Oh. Okay, like the moment of him being okay, right. like like okay, this is the game worn jersey, or this is the ball that he hit. I can understand that. Like uh, you might even want to immortalize the moment, but David Freeze, the player, was he really that good the entire time he was here? I just think that moment is so huge that again, I, I just. I, I'm like sitting here, and I'm really having a hard time. I'm like, <laughs> he's, 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 he's a Lord Stuller. He's he, he's he's okay. No matter who he plays for, no matter what point he is in his career, if he comes to St. Louis, he's always going to get a standing ovation. No There's no question about that. No doubt. He is never going to have to pay for another steak or a drink in well, St. Louis. I don't Louis. think he drinks anymore. Oh, well, but you know, okay, a steak or whatever, whatever. A Diet Coke or here's a water. Thank you. Whatever he wants, he's never going to pay for that ever again. For as long as he as long as he lives in St. Louis, if he wants to go to Ruth Chris and get a bone in ribeye with all the fixings, there's going to be somebody there who's going to pay that for him. To me, that is his Hall of Fame. But to put him up there like with William McGee and Ozzy Smith and Gibby yeah. and and everybody else, I just to me it just seems like madness. Well, I understand your argument. But I will remind you, this isn't Cooperstown that we're talking about. <laughs> the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame is based on – it is a popularity contest. It's fan oh, favorites. Oh, for sure. I mean, I mean it's nice, I, and obviously people gain favor by putting up production and having numbers, but I, I don't know. It's just that is one of the most significant moments in Cardinals history, and I, I don't know. It just 
I'm, I'm sitting there. I don't have, like, a great argument to throw back at you. It's just, to me, I'm like, it's a gut oh, David feeling. Fries is a Cardinal Hall of Famer. Yes. It's a gut feeling. Stully, if you put David Fries in, I feel like you absolutely have to put in Tom Lawless and Jim Lindemann. What about Scott Spezio? <laughs> and Scott Spezio. You think, I think what a lot of this is, Stully, correct me if I'm wrong, you think this is because David Fries is from St. Louis? If he was from someplace else? That's, that's a lot of it. I think that's definitely part of it because yeah. he literally embodies the dream that so many generations of Cardinal fans, I mean, who didn't run around in their backyard pretending to hit the home run in the World Series, and he did it. Yeah. I mean, that's that's part of it. There's no question that's part of it. And I will also share that, you know what, I've seen a lot of the charitable stuff that David Fries has done, not to single him out because guys do that, but personally witnessing some of that, I incredibly appreciate what he's done. And I, I – Again, I, I can't – your argument that you're making about how it's one moment and, you know, is he the best – like, Scott Rowland's the best third baseman I've ever seen. In my lifetime, it's Scott Rowland. It's easy, it's hands down, and you can make all these other arguments, the numbers and everything. I'm like, yes, he should be a Cardinal Hall of Famer because of this, 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 and this. And we had that same kind of argument for even a Ray Langford or for Vince Coleman or for all these other guys who have been on the ballot. You're absolutely correct. There's a lot more in terms of statistical reasons why we can argue their case. We don't have the same statistical reasons for David Fries. You're 100% correct. But, wow, I mean, and, and Tom Lawless, I mean, that, that was incredible. And Lindemann, and if you want to go Tito Landrum. We, <laughs> oh, <laughs> the second right. Tito Landrum reference this show. It's still not what David Fries did. It's just still not. It's David Fries's, and I, Yeah, I, I, I can't. That's, what, that's the best I can give you right now. Stelly, uh, it's always a fun conversation with you. I've, I missed having them uh, when I was on 1380 uh, on Saturday mornings, but it's, it's good having you back on, and uh, we look forward to having you on again, so we appreciate your time. So I guess that means we're not going to be able to talk money in the bank? Uh, well, maybe next. Is, what, is that the WWE thing? When is that? Yeah, it's, it's, I, I think it is, it is next week. Is it a Stelly? It is. It is. It's, it's next, next Sunday. Is, is, it, is, it, is it in St. Louis? No, it's not, it was last year. No, no, no. Okay. I yeah. saw that our friend yeah. uh, Mean Gene Okerlund is in a uh, Mountain Dew Kickstarter commercial with Kevin Hart. Yeah, I saw that. Oh, yeah, wow. I love that. Yeah, yeah uh, they went all out, bringing in Mean Gene. Woo, I, I loved it. I, I absolutely adore that, man. I don't know if you ever had him on your show, uh, Stully, but you need to get him on. He is fantastic. I've had Mean Gene on a couple times, and I've actually interviewed him in person, and uh, oh, wow. he built me up as his very good, dear, close personal friend. Uh, <laughs> what, did, what did you say your name was? So, yeah. yeah I, Mean, mean, he is, he's an absolute gem. Uh, Levitar, before he was on in the morning and he was nationally syndicated, when he was just on in the afternoons in Miami, they would call Mean Gene every Friday afternoon, and you could tell Mean Gene had already had a couple of cocktails, and they, yeah. t- and they would talk about women, and it was always the best. <laughs> it was always the best. Yeah, he's still got an incredible set of pipes, man. What oh, a he does. Voice. Yeah. Yeah, I'd be 70 years old, and he still sounds like he did, you know, 30 years ago. Just, uh, just unbelievable. Uh, Stelly, next time we'll, we'll, we'll talk about uh, WWE pay-per-view next time. How about that? All right. You got it. Hey, I enjoyed the conversation, the give and take, the debate. And, hey, social media, guess what? We disagreed on some things, but we're all still good. Yeah, <laughs> we are good. I, yeah, I'm not going to go go home and block Stelly as soon as we're done here. <laughs> <laughs> Have a good day, sir. Thanks, Brian. All right. You guys, too. Thanks. Take, Take care, care Stelly. We'll see you. That is the, uh, the that is the great Brian Stull. You can follow him on Twitter at uh, Stull uh, before I block him or say a bunch of mean things about him and then block him.
I think that's how you do it now. Yeah, yeah pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> you at them and then unfollow them. That's exactly and right. block them. Yeah, and block you, them. You at them and then like you know maybe a mean gif. Right. And then block sub them. subtweet Sub-tweet. unfollow block. Yes. In that order. Brian Stelly is one of the great St. Louisans and a, and a great reporter and, and was a really really great guy. So yeah, hope you guys enjoy that a lot. We yeah. Lo- love talking to Stelly. We didn't give it. We didn't get into wrestling or eighties metal with him. Next, well, that, I mean next that's time. that is a. I mean that's a pretty. A strong achievement to talk to Stully for almost forty-five minutes and not, not touch once. Not mention it once. We had baseball conversation the, the entire, entire time. time, and the second Tito Landrum reference of the program <laughs> as well, loved, without him part. even knowing about right. it. I love that. Look, we we did that forty-five minutes with Stully to make up for like what the five minutes of LeBron talk that we had that people were going to be bitching about. Right. <laughs> no more NBA talk. We are not an NBA town. We're a baseball town, and we're the best fans in baseball. As long as I have still have a voice, there's always going to be NBA talk in St. Louis. As I'm sitting here with my Miami Heat hat on and my Miami Heat shirt on. You look good, man. You're listening to the Last Man Up podcast, part of the St. Louis Podcast Network, stlpodcast.com. Matt Berger, Clay Byersdorfer, and Amy Hanselman alongside. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Berger. You can follow Clay uh, at on Twitter at Ton of Clayton. And you can follow Andy on Twitter at Emo6, IMO6. By the way, you can also, if you want to, if you want to be the first to know about new podcasts, like this podcast right here, you can follow at PodcastSTL. As soon as that goes live, it sends out an, an immediate tweet on the podcast STL Twitter account, wow. and you know exactly when the show drops. Turn on the notifications, and then uh, you'll never, your, you'll, you will never miss an episode. You go to your favorite podcast player. Make sure you guys subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. Make sure you comment, rate, and review, please, too. That's a uh, that's a big, big deal. It's not just for like egos, but like in the whole iTunes ranking deal, oh, yeah. the more stars and the more comments you get. Look, we we got to take down part of my take in Barstool. We got to take him down, even though I like PFT Commenter. How, and, and, how, uh, how much money? Yeah, do we, how much money do we have right now? Yeah, we don't we don't yeah. have that kind of funds. I mean, yeah. I, I can buy us maybe fifty thousand Twitter followers with you know with the with Russian bots, bots and yeah, with the Russian bots, yeah, and all the dog and egg avatars. But <laughs> I, I can't really help out too much. Um. Two weeks ago, yes, we have the, not. We yeah, we took last week off. We took last week off, and for there was Memorial a huge Day. NFL news. And Burger was pissed off. I was that livid. we were not going to have. I actually, a Memorial Day podcast. I, I I actually had to call the Charlie Tuna show. I was that hot. Did you really? <laughs> I called into the Tuna show, and Tuna put me right on. Well, he, he should. Tuna's a good guy. Tuna's a good guy, and he misses me. I bet he does. Kinda, he does. Tuna misses me. We need to get that guy on one time. Oh, yeah. We'll get Tuna on sometime. Because we, we were sitting outside uh, Kirkwood Brew House on Tuesday night for last week was TMA Holy Week. It was the, the Dotum and Lisa Ann and all that good stuff. Yeah. So we're sitting out there, and there's Charlie Tuna in there, and then yeah, Mike Calvin is sitting in there, so I'm sure he misses you terribly, <laughs> allegedly. Yeah, it's, it's allegedly. Because Mike Calvin's a nice guy. And especially uh, considering who his lead is. Not exactly, <sighs> you know... Up Tuna's alley. Anyway, come, come on, bro. Yeah, come at me, babe. Come at uh, me. Oh yes, come at me, babe. Come at me, babe. Was that like a sub subtweet? Is that what we just did right there? A subtweet. A sub, subtweet. 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 Yes. Subtweet. Got it. So anyway, the National anyway, Football League. Continue. I still play, Mr. Burger. Sorry. If <laughs> Roger Goodell was in charge of anything other than professional football, which is popular because of two reasons and two reasons only, and I've said it for years, and I love the NFL. Jim Nance. 
Jim Nance, no. The the NFL, <laughs> and the NFL is my favorite team sport. It is the one I love to watch the most on TV. It's the one I also follow the most. It's popular because of two reasons, gambling and fantasy football. That is it. If you took those two things away, I'm not sure that the NFL is the most popular sport in the United States, and I'm being 100% dead serious on that. I don't think that. so either. I, I think you're right. And the top five shows, the 2017-2018 TV season, the top five shows, two of them, NFL, number one, Sunday Night Football. Number two was This Is Us. Number three, which is Roseanne, which is no longer on the air anymore. We're not going to talk about that. <laughs> number four was Thursday Night Football. And number five, The Big Bang Theory. So two of the top five shows, NFL football. So people can talk about all they want about the NFL's. The NFL's in trouble. The NFL, the ratings are, are in the tank. They're in the tube, or they're you know they're they're going down the tube. They're they're awful. No, they're not. It's still the number one show on TV. So quit trying to to fool yourself that they're that they're in serious trouble. They aren't. But the NFL keeps creating problems where problems do not need to be created. Who was still talking about player protests during the national anthem when they, Nobody. they, they made this no. ruling? Not one person. No one cared anymore. The story had come and gone. So they decided that to make the problem better is that they're going to give the players the option to either stay in the locker room, which is where they were prior to 2006, and they decided that they or the, the Department of Defense came to the NFL and said, you know what, enrollment's going down. We need to find a way to pick enrollment up. So they go to the NFL with this idea of having the players and this team stand on the field. We're going to have 100-yard American flags and American flags shaped like the United States and flyovers and all that stuff to help with the enrollment. And the NFL was cashing checks from the Department of Defense during that until they got called out on it, and then they stopped doing it or they took the checks and they donated the money. But the players were still on the field. So now what the ruling is is that the players can either stay in the locker room or they can come on the field, but if they're on the field, they have to stand for the national anthem. But if they take a knee, they are going to be fined by the league. That is ridiculous. It's you, you can't do what? that. It's unconstitutional. It is absolutely unconstitutional. And But the thing is, is that, okay, if you think that protesting or kneeling during the national anthem is that big of an issue, here's a simple thing. Have the teams back in the locker room like you were prior to 2006, and the mm. problem goes away. It yeah. goes away. I don't know if it necessarily completely goes away, but I will agree with you in the fact that, yes, 100% give the people option to whether you want to stand for the flag or sit in, you know, the locker room, whatever it had to be. But the issue that I have with it is the, it's the open disrespect for those who choose to stand. You do not solve any problems by taking a knee on the field. If you want to really solve societal issues, go out, you know, change legislature, donate money. Chris Long is a great example of that. Very, very active in the sure. community does great, wonderful things. You do not get tangible results by kneeling for the flag. I disagree. If, if, if that's all I you disagree. do, I disagree. I disagree 100%. No, by no. kneeling for the flag alone, by, by you just, get zero tangible results. I, I disagree. I, I kind of, I'm with you on that one, but Colin Kaepernick has donated so much of his money. And that is di- so much of that's it. That's different, different because he went out and made that donation. But I, the, the biggest issue that I have with it is those that choose to disrespect the flag, but then turn around and are not active. If they want to cause societal change, you do more than disrespect the flag. You served, right? I did. And I appreciate your service. Thank you. I feel I feel that you fought for the right for someone to <clears throat> kneel in protest. I fought at the at the for at the flag. You also fought for the someone to to uh, burn the flag in protest as well. I did not fight for those to burn. The you flag. fought for the you fought for the but that's freedom of speech. You Is fought you fought for bur- those burning the American flag. 
Burn the okay. My, I'm 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 going to tread lightly here because I, I want to make sure that my my point is clear. Okay. I don't agree with flag burning. Mm-hmm. I am not a flag burner. I understand that burning the flag in protest is a 100% way, legitimate way to protest your government. Do you agree? I mean, it, it, is, it, it's, it is it's a aw- way. It's awful, and it's yeah. disgraceful. It's disgraceful, and it should, yeah. And you should never do it. Right. But, but for, I don't... I, You're not going to get thrown in jail for burning the American flag. No, and you should also, if you want to burn that flag in effigy, you should have that right to do so. But th- the thing is, do you that agree? hang on, I, hang on. I want to. Sure. I'm looking. I want to ask him directly as, if he agrees, because that's why. I because I think it because my argument during the whole deal was there were people saying you know they're they're dishonoring the troops and I'm like no they're they're not what they're really doing is exercising their First Amendment rights that the troops fought hard for. And I've never heard an NFL player say, you know who I can't stand the troops, so I'm going to take a knee during the national right. anthem. Never no, heard that. It's not, it's not a like man. This is this dishonors like the military. Like. I fought, but in, but, but that's in, how it was, that's how it's being perceived, or at least that's how it was being spun. Oh yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not absolutely, dis- I'm not disagreeing with you. The, I mean, do you, my do you big, say, do you say my my point where I'm coming from though? That there is a right to protest. Absolutely, it's yeah. one of the big reasons why you know, or not. The, it was the sole reason for why the country was founded because you stand the, up. Stand the reason up why to, is the First right, Amendment, right? Is you stand up to a monarchy, whatever. I get that. It's what the country was founded on. To me, at least, it, it goes back to that tangibility thing. I don't see it. I really don't. And it frustrates th- out. Th- the, the, the biggest solve out of all of this, and it's really like, the, it's hard to pick a side, you know, for a lot of people. The NFL, the government, like, no one's doing it right. The answer no, is not that no, right No, you're now. right. Both can sides I, are... No, no one I, is... No one can is, I say the tangibility that it brought, I, I feel, was that it brought the tangibility, it brought more knowledge to the definition of what free speech actually is. Because people are all like, you know, like, oh, well, you're free, I, can, I can be on your property because, you know, it's a free country. Or I can say this to you because it's a free country. You absolutely can do that. But there are repercussions for those things. You have the right to do it, but there that's are repercussions the for it. Yes. And that's it goes same, back. That's the same. I mean, I mean, that's a mindset that NFL has taken. It's a private business. Look, you can go participate in it if you choose not. To, these are the rules. It's just like, I mean, I'm not going to compare it to drug testing. It's like, hey, we drug test. If you come work for this league or if you come work for this job, you're going to get drug tested. If you really feel, and another rule is, hey, we're going to have the flag. We require you to stand, but we give you the option to not, you know, recognize whatever. That's your service. It, it really frustrates me because people are putting themselves above an entire I, I understand organization, where you're coming from. an entire they, country. It, I see your point too. Yeah. I really do. I, I understand where you're coming from. I just think the, the honestly, I just think the simple solution. That's the thing that frustrates me. The simple solution is don't have any, uh, don't have any of the teams on the field during the national anthem. Yeah. Don't have, just don't have them on there. That is I'm the absolute one hundred percent way to do it. Yeah, and people, I'm good with that. Players could be frustrated that they do not have, you know, that we're taking away their right to protest during the national anthem. I'd be like, well, okay, but we're not giving you the. I mean, no one's out there. It's not just okay. People who want to stand for the national anthem are out there, and those are the only ones who are out there. No one's out there. And much like what you were saying, if you want to bring awareness to the cause of police brutality or racial inequality or any of those things, you still have a platform. Oh, for sure. Because that is, you have a is, huge platform is, you, because you're an NFL player. You're you have an a NFL huge player. platform. That has not gone anywhere. You still have your platform. You yes. still have your ability to raise awareness, raise yep. money. All we're doing is just you just can't do it before a football game. To I mean I'm also of the opinion of even going a step further and saying why are we playing the national anthem during a regular season game anyway? 
I mean, it's an American like it's an American sport. Like I I do appreciate. I mean, I've I've had a lot of opportunity to you know stand on the I stood on the field for game or you know game six at the World Series and David Freeze, yeah. you know whatever. I've had a lot of opportunity. It's uh, it's. It's really hard to describe the, the feeling, feeling no, I, I, the feeling that I, you get, I'm sure, and whatever. So I do appreciate it when it's done. It, it is a very nice respect. I I think it's a tremendous thing that is done. Um, but I'm not for telling people, yes, you have to stand, or no, you don't have to stand. I exactly. I, that's that's my deal as well. I heard the national anthem. I'm not joking when I'm saying this. I heard the national anthem one time before a wet T-shirt contest at Hot Shots. Well, that's different. <laughs> So I appreciate the patriotism. <laughs> Does Cable X still play the national anthem every morning? Who Cable X? I have no idea. They used to play it every morning at like six. Usually, like you'll like when maybe sta- five when stations used to go off the air, like at two or three in the morning. Oh yeah, they played. They would play like "America the Beautiful" by oh, yeah. Ray Charles. They TV, used to do that. TV was the same thing. Yeah, broadcast like they'd play off with. Yeah, America. We are now ending national- our broadcast yeah. day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and then just go to color bars for like two hours. And the nuke screen. With yeah, the, the nuke one. screen. <laughs> <laughs> but the NFL just keeps <clears throat> shooting itself in the foot. I mean, they're just and then I mean, Jerry. Then Roger G- Goodell gets paid forty million dollars a year, or is it eighty million dollars a year now, or something stupid to be an he, idiot? He gets he gets paid forty million dollars a year to be an idiot. And here's <laughs> this is this is the problem when it's you, not a bad stud fee. This is no kidding. <laughs> right. This is the problem. It's like when, secretariat. This is the problem when you have an economist running your league and not an attorney. And Roger Goodell is not an attorney. I I argue with people about. I this am a lawyer. Pot him down. Times. He is not an attorney. <laughs> Roger Goodell is an economist, and he has grown the league money wise. There's no question about he has. that. Mm-hmm. But he has By been. And bounds. He has been a PR nightmare from the get go. But if you asked him, he would be telling you, I'm doing swimmingly. But yeah, because he's just going to point to the bottom line because yeah. that's all they care about. Right. That's all the NFL cares uh, about. It's, it's no longer about football. To me, that's another thing you do whenever you you take the teams off the field during the national anthem. Now it's about football. Right. At the very beginning of the season, yeah, it's going to be a topic about how the teams are no longer on there. But guess what? By week five, week six, week seven, no one's going to be talking about it. Yeah. Everybody's gonna be, everybody's gonna be going back to football. That's why I want this to be about. I want the NFL to be about football, and it's yeah. not about football now, damn it! It's about this. Yeah. Well, they feel like that they're society changers because of the NFL. And to the to a point, they are like they are. The NFL, oh, they're very influential. And that's and I, I think the NBA like you said, is more influential. You, like you said, there's two. Well, no, you just no. said that they're two of the most watched television yeah, shows. Not, not when that product makes okay, more but, money than anyone. I, I don't. I don't think they're cultural influencers, though. The way the NBA is. Because I don't think the NFL players, even though I just said they have a platform, they have a platform, but it's not nearly as big as what NBA players are. Well, basketball is also more, way more of an individual you know what, sport. You than, know what it is. Football. You know what it is. The helmets. Well, it's the helmets and <laughs> so no, and, and you laugh. No, no, it's, no. it's it's the team it is, versus individual concept. No, but it's also that you can recognize these guys on right. the floor. Yeah. And here, and here's another thing too. LeBron's playing both ends of the court. He's playing offense and defense. Right. You know. Aaron Rodgers is not the quarterback, and he's not also starting, uh, you know, right. free safety. Someone's got to hand him be, the be, ball. That'd be a good idea. <laughs> yeah. Put him out there. They're not, see they're, what he can do. They're not playing Iron Man football. Right. So I just think that the NFL just keeps creating its own problems, and it, it frustrates the hell out of me that a league this rich and this popular is ran by people who are so effing dumb. They're dumb. They're idiots. They are so dumb. They mishandle everything, and it's amazing how they mishandle everything as, as easily as they do. 
And they even came out and said that the reason why we're doing this is because of Donald Trump. Well, guess what he's going to do? He's just going to keep tweeting about it all season long. You, you, this is supposed to be like, okay, we want Trump to quit tweeting and quit talking about protests during the national anthem, so this is how we're going to solve the problem. Well, you just made it worse. Unless he pardons himself. <laughs> which, that, which that'll lead the headlines for the rest of the year. Yeah, well, but guess what, the, <laughs> guess what the NFL just did? They just made the problem worse. They didn't solve anything. It is re- remarkable. Remarkable. It How was, dumb it is! It was uh, it was very shocking. I mean, you and I. I mean, we we have separating opinions, but we agree that the the situation in itself was handled poorly. 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 Absolutely poorly. You chose and, and, <laughs> poorly. And you know what? I'm with you. Like the first time I saw it, it bothered me to see someone yeah. you know kneeling or sitting. Sure, me too. During the national anthem, I understand why they do it, mm-hmm. and I wish that this country was in a state where they felt proud enough that you know what sitting or taking a knee during the national anthem wouldn't even enter their mind. Yeah. But telling somebody that they have to do it, that's some kind of shit you hear like it's going on in North Korea. Or I saw someone, and I tweeted this out, and I, po- I took it from someone's Facebook page. It was a newspaper headline from 1938 Nazi Germany where a German football team refused to give the Nazi salute, and they were suspended from playing for the rest of the year. Yeah. I mean... I don't have to tell you guys. I mean, oh my! I've, I've been around the world uh, more times than one. It, it, one of the other things that bothers me most is people do not realize how privileged we are in this country to have platforms to speak on. Absolutely. Because in other yep. portions of the world, you hang the wrong flag, you're killed. Absolutely. You know. So it it really bothers me in the fact that like yes, the stand the the flag stands for America as a country, and it stands for you know the right to protest. Mm-hmm. But I think people kind of shit on that idea almost like man this country is so oppressed and like god forbid like it can't do what i want oh they absolutely shit on it and take advantage of it right to, to the nth degree right which also sickens it, me it, by it, the way it, it bothers me yeah it's it bothers very me. bothersome to me too so well, what, what we're seeing now recently with roseanne barr and with samantha b is this whole you know the, the first amendment argument the first amendment just protects you from jail it doesn't protect you from consequences. Right. Correct. Exactly what I was saying before. It yeah. Just, it means you're not going to go to jail for it. You're not going to go to jail for it. But there are consequences. But if I go up to, if I, if I go up to, let's say we're at ball, Ballpark Village, and some guy is standing there with his girlfriend, and I say something nasty to that guy's girlfriend, and he punches me in the face, I'll be like, hey, man, free speech, bro. Right. Right. Yeah. It doesn't, no. it doesn't protect you. No, not no, at no all. Consequences. So that's what drives me crazy when people talk about the First Amendment and I'm like, oh, hey, I that's guess the First what, Amendment yeah. doesn't matter anymore. That's not what that means. It's not what that means. It's not what it means at all. The understanding of the First Amendment. Another thing that was my mind. It blows, oh, we <laughs> what, that, what could that, be, that could be actually be an entire show. It could be it, a couple it, of shows. Probably. Very easily. Another thing that happened a couple of weeks ago that drove me effing crazy because this guy drives me effing crazy. I'm even going to say his name, but his name was as uh, Trey Clavin. Trey Clavis. Oh, Trey Clavis. Trey Clavis. I'm just going to call him Trey Clavis. Okay. Clickbait artist. And he had an article that other than... He also has a gazillion dollars now. Yes, he does. <laughs> Good for him. Doesn't mean doesn't mean he's not a moron. It's all about content. Other than... Right. Making money. He said other I than... I love content here content. at stlpodcast.com. Other than, other than... I feel, I'm always <laughs> playing defense against you, too. Other than, Sorry. Other than Dion and Bo, the greatest two-sport athlete is Tim Tebow. And I'm like, get the bleep Oof. out of here. I don't even know if you could consider him good at either one of the sports. I mean... He said that. He said that. He wrote a whole column about it because it's all clickbait. 
You know, if you write anything Tim Tebow or anything Johnny Manziel, you're going to get a bunch of clicks on it. We were talking about it during the break, and it was Howard Stern and David Letterman talked about it. He goes, that is good radio, is to, no matter how crazy your point is, be serious about it and stand by it, and people will listen to it. And they will take it as gospel. Right. And that's how you get people to listen. One way and you or know another. What? And you know what? Maybe maybe he got a, a, a pre-copy oh. of that show and said, I'm going to make this outrageous statement well, the, and this, see how much money it can make that's, me. That, that's all he's done. That's all Clay Travis has ever done is just make outrageous comments like that. That's just that's that's, that's his what he does. He that's and, his shtick. He and Skip Bayless. Him and Skip Bayless. I don't know which one's worse, to be honest with you. I'll skip but Bayless. I think there's two. those two are totally different spectrum okay, in terms of what, stupidity. I think that's just, what my point is, is that at, at what point do you start losing any kind of credibility? And to me, he barely had any to begin with. But to come out and say that Tim Tebow was the greatest two-sport athlete not named Bo or Dion, apparently he's never heard of Brian Jordan. Of Brian Jordan. Who actually was a very, very good two sport athlete. Very good. Yeah, he was, and uh, he was an he was a Pro Bowl alternate, like in his second or third year, and he yep. was a seventh round draft pick. Yep, and, and also an, and also a major league baseball all star, and a major league yep. baseball all star, and he would have kept playing football, but the Cardinals gave him like an extra million dollars, which was big money back in nineteen ninety six. Yeah, actually gave him like an extra million or three million dollars to no longer play football, and that's why he gave it up. Otherwise, who knows how good at football he could have been. But Brian Jordan's a better two-sport athlete than what, I agree than what uh, Tim Tebow is. So is Will Chamberlain, who played uh, basketball and volleyball. He was a better two-sport athlete than Tim Tebow. And Jim Brown, yeah. who played uh, football and lacrosse. Who, who arguably could be the greatest two-sport athlete so of all time. So where that idiot got an idea that Tim Tebow was the greatest two-sport athlete of all time, he was a great college quarterback. The only reason why he's getting any kind of minor league baseball play is because his name is Tim Tebow. If his name was Clay Byersdorfer or Matt Berger or Andy Hanselman, he's not getting that opportunity to play baseball. Oh, Whoa. maybe maybe it was Hanselman. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. I was gonna say, don't throw me into that. You know, you don't know my talent. Do you know who I am? Oh no. Well, do you know who my father is? Then <laughs> there you go. Good. Drop that. Drop that line on. I thought for sure you were going to drop into Jordan being a better two sport athlete. I thought for sure you were going to Michael drop Jordan. It. Yeah. Was well, his I mean, baseball how, career a lot? Can you call that a, an attempt? I guess. I well, mean, I mean his was, baseball career is going about as well as Tebow's is. He was for a, sure. I mean, I would call it allegedly serving an NBA suspension, <laughs> a, and I'm using the quote fingers allegedly for gambling. For allegedly, allegedly gambling, allegedly serving a suspension to play baseball. <laughs> but that just when I saw that, I'm like, you that's, just anger me. That's a hot take. Yeah, hot is maybe not be the right word. It's yeah. a take. It's a take. Like you said, Skip Bayless is almost as bad. Almost as bad. I'd like to thank Brian Stull for joining us on the phone. Make sure you listen to the Brian Stull Show Monday through Thursday, noon to 1 p.m. and STL Baseball Weekly Friday, noon to 1 p.m. on 920 WGNU and read them at stlbaseballweekly.com and follow them on Twitter at stullystl.com. Hope everybody has a great day. Talk to you on the other side. They did, and Rosanna, really, same time. Yeah, really and fucking good. The Rosanna cover. I, I someone said it the other day on on uh, on Facebook that they thought the Rosanna cover was better. It's not than the original. It's it's not bad, but it's not better. No, no, better than the Africa cover. Oh, oh okay. okay. Well, I, like the, they released the t- the Rosanna cover first. Yeah. Because there was somebody who said, hey, Weezer, I think it'd be awesome if you did a cover of Toto's Africa. It's like some teen fan club that's been bothering yeah. Weezer for like 10 years so, to cover it. So instead of covering Africa, they covered Rosanna. Yeah. And released Rosanna, but then they covered Africa. I haven't heard the cover of Africa yet, but I've heard it. Oh, here, hang on. I'll play it real quick. Let's get it going. 
<laughs> Love that guy. Rivers Cuomo is not a great singer. He's an okay singer, but he's not a great one. No, he's not a great singer. 